Hey, everybody, we've made it. It is Friday, November 18th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news so you don't have to. Jill, I don't know if you uh, caught on the Instagram account yesterday that some people are calling me Uncle Mo. They're listening to the podcast and listening to it with their kids, and they're referring to me as Uncle Mo. And apparently it's happening in multiple commutes, in multiple cars out there. (laughs) Okay, I that's a compliment, right? That people feel like you're like family. I think so. I just I didn't know that I had these dozens and dozens of nieces and nephews out there. But uh, (laughs) hello to all of you who refer to me as Uncle Mo. If you'd like to call me Aunt Jill, that's fine. I I think you deserve that. I think you deserve <laughs> that that honorific. Aunt Jill and Uncle Mo to all of you today. Well, listen, I was um I was gone for a bit with maternity leave, so I realized that I'm everyone's first getting to know me again. So yeah, Aunt Jill abandoned you for a little bit, but she's back. <laughs> She's back, everybody. Okay. Um, also, I like our tagline. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. I feel like we we don't. Is it just the facts? I feel like we do a little chit chat too. So should we tweak our line going forward? <laughs> yes, I you think can we email need to us with your suggestion. <laughs> this is the place where we bring you just the facts with a side of chit chat. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get to some of those headlines, some more insight into the collapse of the crypto exchange FTX and why the man who's in charge of cleaning up the mess says it's worse than Enron. The end of an era in D.C., Nancy Pelosi is stepping down from her leadership post. An update on the gruesome murder of four college students in Idaho. Elizabeth Holmes gets sentenced today. What to expect? And turn down that volume. A new study finds young people are listening to their music way too loud, and it could have some serious side effects. Kids these days, you got to keep it. We actually, actually, I Googled this and I found out some interesting facts. So stick around towards the end for suggestions on how to protect your ears in this era of uh, podcasts. All right, let's start with the continued fallout from the collapse of the FTX crypto exchange. This motion is a story that just keeps getting more disturbing. A quick reset here. FTX was the third largest crypto exchange. It was valued at around $32 billion. But last week, it collapsed and filed for bankruptcy. The new CEO, John Ray, who took over for the old CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, says he's gone through the documents. And what happened here is an even bigger mess with more mismanagement than Enron's collapse back in 2001. In a court filing that's part of the bankruptcy process, he wrote, quote, Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information. He says the company was so disorganized that it isn't even clear who worked there. Now, this guy, Ray, he has 40 years experience. He was the one who was brought in to clean up the mess at Enron. Now, according to Thursday's filings, Bankman Freed, or SBF as he's known, was persuaded to give up control of the company by his lawyers and also his father, who's a Stanford law professor. Since stepping down, he's been active on Twitter. He's also given some media interviews trying to explain himself, including a message exchange via Twitter with Vox reporter Kelsey Piper. Piper took screenshots of their DMs and published the exact conversation. SBF has since said that he thought he was talking to a friend and did not mean for that conversation to go public. Nonetheless, it's out there now and quite revealing. Yeah, Jill. I I mean, he was defiant. uh, But by the way, it's like you are facing potential jail time, my friend. You have a bunch of lawyers uh, you have a friend on Twitter who's DMing you who happens to be a reporter. 
like maybe hold back, maybe ask if this is on the record, but no, 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 no. Our buddy Sam Bankman Fried, who, by the way, I feel like, do we feel okay giving him SBF? Like, I feel like you to deserve a acronym for a name like that honorific, you know, you got to be special, but I, I guess, I guess that's what people have been calling him. You make a really good point because it's almost like a positive thing. You know, when you, call somebody by those initials. Yeah, right. You had like RBG. Um, uh, yes. AOC has one. So some politicians. DVF, Diane von Furstenberg. I, and I was just going to say, it sounds like even the reporter, Kelsey Piper, who was DMing with him, didn't even understand why he was messaging because she kept being like, is this definitely you? You weren't hacked. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's me. What, so, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so the understanding is right now, SBF, I guess we'll give him that, is holed up in his $40 million home, allegedly, in the Bahamas, where uh, this entire operation was based. And he's DMing. uh, And I linked a bit of this in the Instagram account. I can link to it here in the show notes. Uh, But he's going back and forth. And she's asking him basically about everything that took place. And he is defiant. He's like, it was regulators' fault. He actually says, F regulators. He says, they don't protect the customers. Like, I don't know what's up with them. And he's like not taking any responsibility. Uh, He says he regretted his decision to file for bankruptcy. He said that if he hadn't done that, withdrawals would be opening up in a month and customers would be fully whole. You know, it was interesting, his expression. (laughs) At one point, she asked him uh, about what, you know, like what happened here with this collapse. And he's like, sometimes life creeps up on you. (laughs) Like, if dude, I lost is, money here, I would be fuming at that like, response. You, if you lose millions or billions of dollars, and he's like, you know, man, sometimes life creeps up on you. You don't know. Like, you know, I haven't had a haircut in a couple of years, and I'm holed up in my house in the Bahamas. So anyway, he uh, later puts out a statement uh, saying he didn't realize he's on the record. And he said, quote, some of what I thought was thoughtless or overly strong. I was venting and not intending that it be public. Uh, but the Enron comparison I thought was remarkable, Jill. This new CEO who's come in to try to fix it and deal with the bankruptcy proceedings, that is not a comparison you make lightly. I mean, Enron, probably one of the most infamous financial collapses of the last half century. It's like up there, him, Bernie Madoff, in terms of big scandals. Huge energy company, turn of the century. Turn of the century, we're that old. But yes, around 2000, 2001. And it led to like new laws, Sarbanes-Oxley. And it really led to new regulation. To this day, I was hearing from people who work in the energy sector who deal with Sarbanes-Oxley regulations due to the Enron scandal. So I was talking to another crypto expert today who said, ultimately, short term, this is bad for crypto, but long term, this could be good for crypto because it has, you know, they lauded this lack of government oversight, lack of government control. We can see what it does now. You're now losing tons of money to a kid who said, sometimes life creeps up on you. So now there might actually be rules uh, put in place because clearly Capitol Hill will take this very seriously. Real crypto believers will tell you that they think that we're in like the second inning of crypto and yeah. ultimately think, yes, there's going to be this crypto winter that we're in, but that long term, it's still a great investment. And and they, they would say this is a good time to invest because crypto is relatively inexpensive. Obviously, we're not giving advice, but that that's the argument from from real crypto believers. Yeah, no, we, we, we need to have like one of those like really fast reads that we have. Like, <laughs> yes. by the way, you don't get your financial advice. Like none of us are invested in crypto. But um, in all seriousness, Jill, like I've seen those comparisons to the early internet, right? Like this is internet circa late 80s when you might have had like CompuServe or Prodigy and like we were still figuring it out. But one issue in crypto that continues to be, you know, like my basic thing, and, and Warren Buffett will tell you this too, is 
like what are the practical implications? Like how is crypto impacting my life on a day-to-day basis? And that hasn't quite been figured out. And I think for it to get out of crypto winter, people to believe in it again, will need to see some sort of regulation, know that their money is protected. And beyond that, know like, okay, how does crypto impact my life on a day-to-day basis? Because right now, a lot of it is just very theoretical. Okay, now some of the impacts that we know so far uh, with this specific case, you now have about a million FTX users that are short a collective $8 billion. Ray said he secured about $740 million worth of cryptocurrency belonging to various parts of FTX's business. That is only a fraction of the money owed. They've hired forensic analysts and blockchain experts to try to locate any remaining money. Um, Most FTX users, just want to mention, are not based in the United States. So um, Coinbase, you know, if, if for people who are invested in crypto, many of them do that through Coinbase and other platforms. There's also a class action lawsuit filed this week against FTX and Bankman Freed saying they misled customers and violated a Florida law. The lawsuit also names some of the athletes and celebs that promoted the platform, and that includes Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, Steph Curry, Kevin O'Leary. And it accuses the exchange of targeting, quote, unsophisticated investors from uh, across the country. Yeah, don't forget the Super Bowl ads, uh, Jill, including uh, one Larry David. Uh, some people are actually giving Larry David credit. The uh, <laughs> the role he plays in the ad in the Super Bowl is like, eh, I don't think I'm going to invest <laughs> in this. And they're like, don't be like Larry, invest in FTX. So I wonder if he might have a case there. But I imagine if you're a celeb right now, one of these, you're like calling your lawyers being like, how did I get involved here? What did they pay me and get me out of this immediately? And, um, and clearly, like, not worth it, given that they probably don't really need the money. And it's now just a headache. Totally. I mean, one of the comparisons that's been made here is that crypto investors right now are bringing claims against Kim Kardashian for her promotion of Ethereum Max. This was a case earlier this fall. And you remember the SEC went after her and she settled. She did not claim wrongdoing for promoting Ethereum Max, which was a token, not an exchange. But she paid a little over $1.2 million basically the money that she got paid, plus a bit of a fine to the SEC being like, get me out of this. So but right now, there's a lawsuit uh, that want to go after her beyond that. And a judge hasn't yet ruled on that. As far as this case, though, I mean, there's a lot here, Jill. I mean, one of the big issues, just to back up here is that effectively, what Bankman Freed did, he was like basically using his business, which had all these users as like a a pot of money for himself. So he was moving money from his business to his personal fund, a company called Alameda, back and forth, hedging against it, and and basically completely mixing up his personal and his business. Now, the big issue for the cases uh, dealing with FTX is FTX officially is based in F- in the Bahamas, where Bankman Fried is right now. So how will U.S. security law securities laws apply to FTX? That'll be up to judges here to figure that out. And then, um, you know, ultimately, how will they judge crypto? Is it a security? Does it fall under securities laws or not? There's a lot here. And, and you know, typically we talk about this a lot, Jill. As these technologies evolve so quickly, the government hasn't caught up. And so, you know, do laws that exist for, you know, the traditional financial businesses apply to crypto here? And that's going to be one of the questions going forward for the judges to figure out. Okay, now into some political news. It is the end of an era in Washington. Nancy Pelosi, the first woman Speaker of the House, says that she'll be stepping down from her leadership position after this term. Here's a bit of what she told colleagues during a floor speech. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. 
For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. Pelosi is 82 years old. She does plan to continue to represent her district, which is San Francisco. Shortly after the announcement, President Biden called her the most consequential speaker of the House of Representatives in our history. In a statement, he said in 2007, she made history as the first woman speaker. But that was just the beginning of the history that she has made during her four terms. Uh, Take a drink every time Biden says the word history, Mosh. Three shots just there. (laughs) Three shots just there. In all seriousness, uh, for everyone who needs a refresher, what exactly is the role of Speaker of the House and why was Nancy Pelosi so effective at it? Well, so interesting because, you know, Pelosi spent almost 20 years as the leader of the House Democrats, and she did it both in the minority and the majority. So when your party controls the House, you are elected Speaker of the House. When you uh, are in the minority, which is where they're headed again, you're the minority leader. And effectively what you're doing, you know, at any given point, you have anywhere between 180 to 240 uh, representatives and you're herding cats. And think about the diversity of the caucus. This happens on the Republican side, but we're talking the Democratic side here because it's Pelosi. She's got progressives in deep blue areas. She's got moderates in red states. And she needs to get them all to agree. So you got to be handing out favors. What do you want in the bill, Congressman 174? What do you want in the bill, this group of 15 that's decided to make my life difficult on this issue? Uh, So you're twisting arms, you're dealing with your caucus, and then you're dealing with the White House. And so she started as the minority under Bush, then she was speaker when President Bush was in charge. Then she was the speaker and minority leader under Obama, and both again during Trump. So she basically went back and forth as the majority minority again and again during each of the presidents. And so she's dealing either with a president of her own party or the president of the other party. And then you have the Senate. So she's dealing with the Senate leader, in some cases also controlled by Democrats, which made her life easier sometimes. Or Republican. So really, what Pelosi was able to do for 20 years uh, and hold and the fact that she even this time got a chance again to continue as leader after 20 years shows how skilled she was at this. You're playing a game of chess. You're dealing with your members, the Republicans in the House, the Senate and the White House. And you're constantly moving those pieces. You're dealing with the the profile of the party. And it's especially important when you're the president of another party, you know, is in charge. So it was during the Bush era and Trump era. She was the most prominent Democrat out there. I'm not sure if you saw the video of Pelosi after the announcement. She was embraced by fellow Democrats. It was really emotional. There were hugs. There were tears. And also, of course, questions of what's next. Representative Hakeem Jeffries, a Democrat from New York, says he is going to run for the leadership position, which would be, as you were mentioning, House Minority Leader. So this is according to some reporting from The Washington Post. What do we know about Jeffries and how might his agenda differ from Pelosi's? Well, I come to you from Brooklyn, which is also the home of Hakeem Jeffries. We have several congressmen from Brooklyn. It's a, you know, actually Brooklyn itself, I think, has almost three million people in it. Um, So Jeffries is often known to quote Biggie Smalls, uh, another Brooklyn. I love that. He's 52, by the way. So when we talk about a generational change, she's 82. He's 52 by House Democrat standards. That is basically um, Gen Z, because <laughs> um, Steny Hoyer was 83. I mean, the, the whole Pelosi team is in their 80s. Interestingly, it's not a sure thing yet, but it looks like he is going to be uh, the leader. If elected as the House Democratic leader, he would become the first black lawmaker to lead a party in Congress. He's been in Congress for about 10 years. Um, this quote struck me, and he sort of comes at it politically similar to where Pelosi's from. He says, when asked about you know how far left he is, 
He says, I'm a black progressive Democrat concerned with addressing racial and social and economic injustice with the fierce urgency of now. But there will never be a moment where I bend the knee to hard left democratic socialism. So clearly trying to write a line there. Uh, you might recognize him because he was one of the impeachment managers during Trump's first impeachment trial um, in the House, which showed that Pelosi definitely, uh, you know, had a lot of faith in him. But um, it's it'll be interesting to see um, how he manages here because we have not seen wholesale change here on the Democratic side in two decades. And one thing I'll say is that the Republicans many years ago, this is in the 90s, um, made a point of having... Uh, term limits for their leadership to ensure that youth continually came in. So, you know, you saw the Boehners, you saw the Paul Ryans, you saw the, you know, you've, you've seen a, a relatively, uh, a variety of folks come through in the time that Pelosi's been there the entire time. Oh, that's interesting. And the Democrats obviously didn't do that. No, not for a long time. In fact, there has been frustration. Uh, interestingly, uh, for those of you who listen from Ohio, you're uh, the, the Democrat who ran for Senate in Ohio, Tim Ryan, the moderate Dem actually ran for leadership against Pelosi last cycle because he's like, guys, we need fresh blood in the system. But there was such loyalty to Pelosi. I mean, keep in mind, by the way, you know, what struck me, Jill, there was a photo of Nancy Pelosi meeting JFK. I mean, she comes from a very political family. Her her father, a guy who was named uh, Tom D'Alessandro, was the a mayor of Baltimore for many years and was a congressman himself. So this is, um, Nancy Pelosi grew up breathing, eating politics. She's a political animal um, when it comes to this stuff. And it'll be interesting. And, and certainly, you know, she continues to remain in Congress here. And we'll see um, what role she plays now as sort of, uh, I guess, to use a UK term, a backbencher in the party. And of course, we have to mention that her husband, Paul Pelosi, was just attacked in her house. Clearly, that weighed on her decision. Oh, I, I can only imagine, um, you know, that she wants to be able to spend more time with him as he recovers from, uh, you know, he had to go through surgery and everything and, you know, hammer attack to the, to the skull. So wishing him a continued quick recovery. Jill, we have a lot more news to get to in this podcast, but I want to get to a couple of our sponsors today. Um, we're very lucky. Our newest one is Bolin Branch Sheets. Jill, I don't know, were you following me on Instagram as we were having that viral top sheet uh, versus duvet debate a couple weeks ago? Of course. Where do you stand on that? I used to be a firm believer in a top sheet. My husband hates a top sheet. And so I decided it's not worth it. And what do you need a top sheet for anyway? And so we don't use a top sheet. And I have to say, it's kind of nice. It's one less <laughs> thing to deal with. It's it's nice. We're, we're still top sheeters in my house. and But what is nice is that you have some options now. And our newest sponsor, Bull & Branch, took notice of that debate um, and is very excited to be offering Mo News listeners an incredible deal early for Black Friday, 25% off for a limited time with the promo code Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S. We actually, my, uh, my wife and I, Alex, recently got a set from them that includes pillowcases, duvet cover, and yes, a top sheet. And it's been a game changer. <laughs> they get softer with each wash, but they're offering, Jill, everybody, packages that don't include top sheets, which I think is very nice, you know, for people like you. That's great. Um, I did see your, I did see the, I, I guess the Instagram ad that you guys did, um, bo both of you in blue t-shirts in yes. bed. Tell us what was going on there. So Bowling Brunch has also sponsored us on the Instagram side and I'm glad you noticed it. Well, clearly it was a memorable ad, which was the purpose. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> <laughs> I was I was casually scrolling through Instagram and I just see this picture. I see this video of you and Alex wearing these bright yeah. royal blue shirts in bed. And I'm like, what are they up to? Um, and I obviously stopped and listened. I'm like, 
Very clever. It, it it was very cool because again, this story was like I put out there on Instagram totally organically, like, hey guys, like what do you make of this trend story? And like it blew up and they get thousands of messages. And of course now Bowling Branch has taken notice. And so they're offering this special deal to our listeners, you know, in a reminder to all of us, you spend a third of your life in bed. So sheets are a big deal. And so Bowling Branch is offering this special early Black Friday deal. Again, you can get it. It's the best deal of the year. It's 25% off and free shipping with the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bullandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch, bullandbranch.com. Promo code MONEWS. The offer ends on November 27th. And there is one more great deal that I want to tell all you listeners about. This one comes to us from Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is offering their AG1 all-in-one vitamin as we head into cold and flu season. Trying to get all your vitamins as we get older can be tough. And if you're trying to take them individually, it can be tough to keep track of. It can get a bit pricey. So I've been using the Athletic Greens AG1 powder for a couple months now. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. The experience, simple, affordable, uh, gives you that extra boost of energy when you're lagging midday. Contains a lot of important ingredients, pre and probiotics for gut health. And here is the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. You can visit athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News to take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or you try it for just one month. Again, it's athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal to really start to take ownership of your health. Okay, time now for the speed read from CNN, an update on the gruesome killing of four University of Idaho students. Food truck video offers timeline of their final hours. Two of the four University of Idaho students who were killed on Sunday were last seen alive ordering at a late night food truck in Moscow, Idaho at about 1.41 a.m., according to the food truck's live Twitch stream. The person who manages the food truck told CNN that the two students did not seem to be in distress or in danger in any way. Moscow Police Department Chief James Fry said the video offers a helpful timeline of their final hours. It's believed that all four students were killed between 3 and 4 a.m. This is a quadruple murder case. It's still wide open. There is no suspect. No murder weapon has been found. The four students were all found stabbed to death in their off-campus apartment on Sunday afternoon in a bloody crime scene, uh, authorities said. And when I say off-campus, apparently it was just across the street from campus. Yeah, the authorities uh, gave a press conference on Thursday. Uh, They reiterated that it was not a murder-suicide, that the weapon that they're looking for was a knife. Um, The killings and the lack of information from authorities have really uh, concerned residents of the uh, town of Moscow, uh, Idaho. The city actually hadn't had a murder since 2015 uh, in seven years. Now, notably, Jill, and this is going to be interesting as part of this investigation, Idaho police say there were other people in the home at the time of the homicide, but declined to say who called 911. Uh, I saw one report from ABC News right now that two other roommates were at home at the time of the crime and they were not hurt. Uh, They are two surviving female roommates who have not been ruled out in or out as suspects but they're working and talking with detectives and they've been cooperative, very cooperative, uh, one of the authorities say. So that's a notable thing that there are other people at home who, who weren't hurt. The police say based on that, that the killings appear to be a targeted attack and there's no threat to the public. Uh, that said, they've gotten a lot of pushback from the community, especially given that no one's been arrested. You know, people are understandably concerned. 
And it'll be interesting to see what transpires here. But this is really, really quite a mystery. It is. The the police department's getting a lot of criticism, as you mentioned, just for, again, sort of saying, you know, the community is not in any danger. Because how can they really say that if there's at this point no suspect and and so little information unless there's something they're not telling everybody? Um, And you just have to put yourself back into that college mind frame where you really I feel like we left our doors open. It was, you know, and, and even the police. I was listening to one report and they were saying the biggest thing that they deal with are bikes being stolen and things like that. I mean, they're not really used to dealing with a quadruple homicide. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out, what kind of arrests are made and, and if they are calling in help from some other law enforcement agencies. From the New York Times, former Theranos CEO and tech world darling Elizabeth Holmes is set to be sentenced today by a judge in Northern California. This comes 10 months after a jury found her guilty of defrauding investors in the failed blood testing company. Holmes, who is now 38 years old, founded Theranos back in 2003 when she was just 19. The company quickly grew to become one of the best-known startups in the world with a peak valuation of $10 billion. But a series of exposés by the Wall Street Journal raised a lot of questions about whether the technology even worked and what the company was lying about. It triggered multiple investigations by federal and state officials. Holmes faces a maximum of 20 years in prison, according to federal sentencing guidelines for wire fraud. Her lawyers have requested 18 months of house arrest. Prosecutors have asked for 15 years of imprisonment. The probation officer in her case has recommended a sentence of nine years. Yeah, I'll I'll be looking out for these headlines later today, Jill. The sentence will really be a signal for how the world of tech startups can expect to be punished if and when they misrepresent the company's capabilities. The judge, uh, that's Judge Edward Davila, will be considering whether Holmes has accepted responsibility for her actions. Uh, Since she was convicted, there's been some other startup founders uh, coming under scrutiny. Uh, We mentioned the Sam Bankman-Fried story. Uh, Trevor Milton, the founder of the electric vehicle startup Nikola, uh, was convicted last month on charges of lying about his company's technology. So there are questions about what is allowed, uh, what founders can promise, especially as they're founding a new company, they're making promises. And so this case has a lot of symbolism. Theranos raised nearly a billion dollars from investors to get that $10 billion valuation. They claimed that their technology could accurately run many tests on a single drop of blood. That technology never worked as promised. So the question is, is is that fraud or is that just the aspirational statements of, uh, of founders, right? And few tech executives have ever been found guilty of fraud. So experts expect a lighter sentence from Holmes. Uh, but at the same time, they worry that that could send a wrong signal to the industry. Uh, the way the Holmes lawyers spin it is that venture capitalists are sophisticated rich people. They don't thoroughly research their investments. You shouldn't feel bad for them. And interestingly, I mean, there's a lot of outside evidence coming in, Jill. Like she has a bunch of support letters, including Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, who I guess put in like a very sympathetic letter to her among other folks that knew her. Why would he get involved with this? I don't know. I mean, remember when Holmes was at the peak of her notoriety, right? Like she's on the cover of Fortune, the cover of Forbes, doing like sessions with Bill Clinton. Um, actually, a lot of people made light of this that like, uh, D, like take out your money from an investment of Bill Clinton's interviewing the founder because he also interviewed Sam Bankman-Fried recently. And they're just like, <laughs> once he's on stage, like, don't take that seriously. But like, she has all these friends that are still well-connected who apparently still like her. Keep in mind, she has had not one, but is about to have her second child. She's currently pregnant right now. 
um, since her conviction. So she could potentially, if she's going to prison, leave two kids at home. Um, in her time in the past year, she's also logged 500 hours as a rape crisis counselor. She swam across the San Francisco Bay, and uh, they made note in the letter, I swear, that her dog was killed by mountain lions. So literally, they're like what throwing the whole kitchen sink at the judge being like listen her dog was killed by mountain lions she's pregnant with her second child she's a rape crisis counselor she swam across san francisco bay and they hope that the judge takes that into account in addition to the letter from cory booker and others one of the things that does make this a little bit different than other cases that are just straight up financial crime is that there were other victims it wasn't just kind of rich investors there were people who got faulty blood res- test results yep. from her, um, from this technology, and they 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 actually they knew it didn't work, and they rolled it out in Walgreens and other places, and people got you know they they were told they had cancer when they didn't, people were told that they had HIV when they didn't, and and vice versa. Uh, could you even imagine? And, and so there were victims here besides just the investors. I think the judge will have to keep that in mind as well yeah you know it's it's interesting though but but when the jury convicted her they convicted her specifically of the financial crimes against the investors and many of the counts that were related to what you just brought up jill the jury didn't end up convicting her on so you know that that's notable which is so fascinating it's it's yeah she was she was able to throw enough smoke in the air being like i don't know it was aspirational like i didn't know exactly what was going on but at the same time like that was one of the reasons she had whistleblowers within her own company who were speaking to the wall street journal who are like listen ethically i cannot work for a company that is like giving people bad information about their health that they're making life and death decisions by so i'm fascinated by what the judge ends up deciding here From NPR, more than one billion young people could be at risk of hearing loss, according to a new study. Researchers led by the World Health Organization reviewed data from 33 studies. They found that young people between 12 and 35 are regularly listening to music on their headphones or going to concerts where the sound is much louder than recommended. So recommended noise limits are no more than 85 decibels. Young people are actively listening to content at 105 decibels. The average noise level at an entertainment venue is 104 to 112 decibels. Researchers say damage from unsafe listening can compound over the life course and noise exposure earlier in life may make individuals more vulnerable to age-related hearing loss and there are some big consequences. Yeah. Well, first of all, Jill, let me take it down to 85 decibels or lower <laughs> for everybody here. Um, we're going to do the rest of the podcast like NPR. Well, you and I both, by the way, talk very loud. <laughs> My husband always thinks I talk so loud. He'll, he'll be like, can yeah. you stop? Like, just take it down a notch. And we're, I'm like, really? <laughs> I talk. I, it, it doesn't. I, I guess we're just I'm loud, but I think I you are as well. I, Whatever. I am. I am. That's why, um, Ariane, thank you for your audio engineering on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, bringing things down to a level of 85 decibels for everybody. So 85 decibels is the key number we're finding out here. And if you go above it, it affects you, you know, across generations. Obviously, this study was in relation to kids. There's learning loss among kids. You know, obviously not being able to hear things uh, hurts them in school. For adults, hearing loss can actually be linked to the decline of your mental health, uh, lower income, depression. Uh, even heart problems, according to the CDC, 
And actually, Jill, you know, a huge issue among um, many older folk who can't hear is there's a direct link between uh, not being able to hear things and then real cognitive decline, uh, dementia, et cetera, because your brain's not working as hard because it's not hearing much. And so that's a real issue. So we have some tips for you. It's funny. Um, some of the tips that are out there, like take a break when things are too loud. Don't stand too close to speakers. I'm like, obviously. <laughs> uh, keep your devices a safe volume. But let me give you a couple practical ones. Um, I was reading into this. Ensure that your volume, if your volume is more than 60% on whatever device you're listening to on, whether it's a TV or a phone, that's too high. So just look at kind of that like slider on volume. And that's good. That's a good visual. And so like if you're just a little over halfway, you're okay. If you're like more towards the end, then it's too loud or you might have a hearing issue. That's number one. I also found out, I was actually playing with this, Jill, as we were researching this story today, that uh, the health app on your Apple iPhone, if you have an iPhone, you can go to it and it can apply a basic hearing filter for you. And so it'll ensure that if you're listening to something more than 85 decibels, it'll actually bring it down for you on your iPhone. So that's you have to enable that within your health app on the iPhone. I'll link to that um, in the show notes. And over on the Android device, my understanding is that there's an app called the Hear Angel app, H-E-A-R Angel app, Hear Angel for Android devices. I'll link to that as well. Uh, and if you download that, it'll serve that same function. And one more piece of advice is wear earplugs. If you're going to a concert or you're going to be around a really loud noise, you know I'm obsessed with earplugs. I wear earplugs every night when I go to bed and I have for years since I'm in college, actually. So once you purchase those Bolin brand sheets we told you about earlier in the podcast, uh, Jill will uh, make you aware of, we, we need to work on our next sponsorship, Jill, a earplug sponsorship. Yes, I will sell, um, I can very much sell earplugs. Though, though I feel like um, metaphorically, it's not like not great. It's not a great look. You're like, wait, your podcast is promoing earplugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't you those two ever shut up? All right, Jill. Our last story today comes to us from Space.com. NASA's daring Artemis One Red Crew saved the day for the launch to the moon. Here's how. So I don't know how many of you know this, but hours before that 4.1 billion dollar Artemis rocket was set to launch this week. Sensors actually detected again that there was another fuel leak. Leaks like this have been the bane of the rocket's existence during the uh, previous launch attempts. I mean, they wanted to launch in August and September, and they kept having these leaks. So they were trying to prevent it from getting scrubbed again. And that was a real fear in the hours before the launch. But the Artemis 1 mission managers made a very risky decision. They sent in what's called the Red Crew. This is a specialized team of technicians to what engineers call the Zero Deck, which is literally the base of the fueled rocket out there to stop the liquid hydrogen leak. And they were successful, uh, as you know, uh, after more than two months of delays, tech issues, etc., it finally launched overnight a couple of nights ago. Mosh, NASA has been releasing pictures of the Artemis 1 mission, which is now safely on its 25-day mission through deep space around the moon. Um, the Orion spacecraft will reach the moon on Monday before spending several more days positioning into lunar orbit. The mission will conclude on December 11th when Orion will re-enter Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, and and what's really going to be exciting here, um, should this mission be successful, Jill, is the next stage. They have dummies right now in that Orion spacecraft with monitors to make sure, you know, will humans be able to survive in that Orion spacecraft wherever they're going right now? They're going to the, the deeper past the moon than we've ever gone before. And then the plan is, within the next two years, if all goes according to the plan, and we know it's NASA and space, and there's a lot of complications, but if all goes according to plan in the next three years, you will see us going back to the moon with the first woman and the first person of color 
um, among other major superlatives to expect when we um, when this mission continues. All right, most cheers to the freaking weekend. Here's what we are watching, reading and eating this weekend. I'll kick it off with what we are actually not watching. Ellen Pompeo, a.k.a. Meredith Gray, who's officially saying goodbye to Grey's Anatomy. She made the announcement Thursday on social media. She said she's eternally grateful and humbled by the love and support she's received. Mosh, can you believe the show is in its 19th season? I mean, Jill, how many shows have been around that long? I mean, I I feel like shows that started 19 years ago. So this is like before Facebook, before the iPhone, like we all had like Nokia phones at that time. And like Survivor, maybe Big Brother, there's really, you know, Law and Order, really only a couple shows that can really make that like two decade mark. Um, You know, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Are you going to tell the people the real truth about this show, Mosh? Jill, I watched an episode once in 2004. <laughs> I, I thought you never watched it. <laughs> I, I, it was so big. Remember how big it was? And um, I I mean, I don't know if I watched the whole episode, but I certainly watched part of an episode because like, everyone was talking about it, right? Wasn't there like dreamy? Big dreamy. I thought you said you'd never watched it. Um, I, but I, but I, even watching half of one episode is is crazy. I I used to love it um, and be obsessed with the show, but I didn't even realize it was still on. To be honest, and, and honestly, if you, I, I actually googled the ratings on this, Jill, because I was curious. I was like, who's still watching Grey's Anatomy live? And they're only getting about three to four million people. Um, and to just give you context, twenty years ago, like you would get 20, 30, 40 million people watching a live show. It was pre-streaming, pre, etc. You'd have to buy those DVD sets at the end of a season if you wanted to, like, you know, own it or watch old episodes. Um, and so, you know, it's. It, I think it just speaks to kind of where network television is right now. All right, what are you watching? So I'm gonna be watching the World Cup. It starts on Sunday. So excited to get started there. I mean, uh, hopefully there's some good action. Definitely a lot of soccer games out there that end in zero zero. So hopefully there's some goals and some excitement. And I understand this week the new season of Yellowstone came out on Paramount. And Jill, I don't know if you have people in your life who are obsessed with this show. I've tried to start season one a couple times now. Been meaning to get over the hump. That first episode is almost like two hours. But there are people who are just obsessed with the show. I I know, and I've been meaning to try. I've been meaning to watch it for a while now. Okay, what are we going to be reading? So uh, I was just taking a look. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, the Wall Street Journal has come out uh, on with a number of factors: the best and worst airports in America. Um, the shortcut uh, too long didn't read SFO your best airport in America San Francisco congratulations LaGuardia big loser uh, no surprise to New Yorkers on that one except they've spent billions of dollars building a new terminal Jill I don't know if you've gone through it but LaGuardia is still an issue when it comes to worst on time so I guess it's nice to have those new terminals and just access continues to be an issue New York City which has an incredible subway system I mean it's a little dirty a little messed up but LaGuardia is still not connected to the subway system. So those are among the factors there. Okay, I'm going to be reading everyone's awesome emails. Seriously, a huge thank you to everyone who wrote in with their thoughts on anti-Semitism following our conversation yesterday. I started to go through them today. They're really thoughtful. So thank you for that. I'm going to be responding to everyone and keep them coming on this topic or any others. That email address again, podcast at mo.news. Yeah, Jill, I, you know, I think one of the things that um, this is something that came up in my um, CNN appearance last week was as they were asking, like, how can media do a better job of uh, earning trust again? And, you know, the basic lesson I've learned from Instagram these past couple of years is like, talk to the audience, right? Like engage with the audience. And so we do get on Instagram and, you know, I'm really excited about 
using the at least emailing us and then at some point i think we'll we'll get tech savvy and have a voicemail people can leave audio um, for us on but really engaging with the audience i'm, I'm really excited uh you guys you guys really make uh what we're doing really special and uh particularly relevant because we're just trying to be responsive absolutely okay and mosh what are we eating for the weekend Al got me started on Purity Coffee. Uh, this is not a, a paid sponsorship, by the way, unless the folks at Purity are hearing us. It could but, be. Uh, it could be one day. <laughs> um, but uh, she she found it, it's organic coffee, and I guess you know, like honestly, uh, if you Google anything you eat, you'll you'll find that there's a lot of chemicals and stuff. And so anyway, the Purity Coffee we've been we've been drinking it every morning and and loving it so far. Okay, so I'm not trying to copy you, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> It's so pathetic. I'm also going to be drinking coffee this weekend, but I'm going to be drinking caffeinated coffee. I stopped when I was pregnant and also nursing, but I've started to scale back my nursing a little bit. So I have Mm -hmm. happily started to enjoy caffeinated coffee again. And I must say it is so nice. I am such a coffee addict after years in news working crazy hours. And it's just this little thing to have every day that makes me really happy. I'm happy it's back in my life. Jill, it's interesting. Now that you've been away from coffee for so long, you know, I've known people who use it as an excuse, you know, once they take a break from coffee to wean themselves off, to be like, oh, I now have enough energy in the morning. Like, I don't need that coffee. I, I don't want to have to rely on it anymore. Have you given any consideration to quitting coffee completely now that you've been free of it for so long? No. <laughs> and the <laughs> Because I love it. I love it so much. Um, and it it's like I was mentioning, it's it's a little thing that makes me happy. And um, the jury is still out on the health effects and whatnot. And, and most will say that it's fine. But there is this really, really funny reel on Instagram. And it says, um, did you know that if you replace your morning cup of coffee with a nice cup of green tea, that you could lose up to 87% of the blanking little joy that you have left in this life. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. By the way, Al was listening. My wife was listening in the other room as we're recording this right now. And she's texted me uh, to let folks know that sometimes there's mold and mycotoxins in some of your coffee. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, what stuff? Wah, wah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But listen, listen, folks. Alex, I, I guess she can't day. hear yeah. my part where I'm saying this she is cannot. it. This is the little joy that I have. <laughs> Don't kill it. She'll be listening to it when this comes out. All right, read us out, Mosh. A uh, homage to your favorite podcast, The Pivot Podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. You can follow or subscribe to the show on the app you're listening to us on right now. Hit follow, subscribe. It'll ensure you don't miss a single episode. You can also review us in the App Store. It helps us continue to grow. Just take a quick moment. Give us five stars. I feel like today's a five-star episode, Jill. And uh, leave us a review if you can. And you can follow me, of course, for 24-7 coverage over on Instagram, over at, at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. All right, bye, everyone. Have a great weekend. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody.